0: My name's Nick, I'm the owner of Kevlar Joe's, and I'm the roaster. I'm an Air Force Security Forces veteran, a dad to three wild boys, and a husband to my wife, Crystal, and a coffee enthusiast. From a family in a small town in Missouri, we started with the simple idea of crafting a perfectly bold cup of coffee, inspired by wellness and countless pots of stale coffee while deployed. We wanted to craft a bold, clean, and smooth coffee. So we did. And we realized we wanted to share this coffee with our friends. Lord knows we could all use a good cup of coffee right about now. From the farm to your coffee cup, there's nothing like a good, well-crafted, and bold cup of coffee. No matter what time of the day, it's there to pick you up, motivate you, and relax you. We hope you enjoy our coffee. Be bold. Be humble. Be Kevlar. And you can find Kevlar Joe's Coffee Company anytime you want at www.kevlarjoe.com. And for listeners of the Dig Bible Podcast, use the code all caps dig20 whenever you're checking out to get a 20% off discount. Enjoy. Hey everyone, this is Tom Dunn from Through the
1: Black, and you are listening to the Dig Bible Podcast.
2: We should read our Bible as men digging for buried treasure. The Bible is the world's most popular enigma. Its secrets lost to cultures beneath the sands of time. Or
3: is it? It is the glory of God to conceal things, but the glory of kings is to search things out. God wants you to seek to read his word, to to look for that knowledge. He wants you
1: to do that. Man, the people at Nicaea, they like chopped out 80 books of the Bible. We need to bring those back. There's more bad guys in this thing than a Bruce Willis.
0: Oh, yeah. Let's back it up here. I love the intro to the show because it's exactly right. There's the nuggets of gold in his word. As you guys always sign the show, you, you got to dig it, dig it.
2: Show us your nuggets.
3: God, our creator, lies outside of time, space, and
2: matter.
3: I feel like God would be like, hello, McFly.
2: You ain't got it so far, then. There are
3: secret societies think that they
1: are... Descendants of the giant. I mean, isn't this is exciting? I mean, you read it, it's
2: like, wow. The Nephilology Roundtable.
1: But these angels
0: were taken to help immediately. Do not pass gold, and act like $200. You're out of the game.
1: Dirty
2: hands means clean theology. Can you dig it? What's going on, all my local guys and gals and long distance pals?
3: we're back we are back yes we are um how's everything been going you still working 300 hours a week or
2: yeah it's killing me (laughs) and uh got a funny story i guess i can share now uh it was probably uh, probably about a month ago now uh there was an accident with uh with my wife and mother-in-law a canoeing accident which you know to praise god everything was was fine but uh I get a text message from, from Ben and then from Steven. Are you in jail? What's going on? And after everything settled, Ben was coming through town and saw my car pulled over with like three cop cars behind <laughs> me. Because I'm at work and my supervisor comes up to me. He's like, You know, there's been an accident. You know, you need to head to the hospital. So, I mean, I was. I was booking it down the road and they pulled me over. And, uh, but once my story checked out and stuff, they let me go. But, of course, they didn't let me go without writing me a ticket. <laughs> but uh, I went went to court uh, over that and everything. Of course, they, they didn't drop the, the ticket. But I didn't go to jail, so that was a good thing. That's but yeah, Bonus. That's a bonus. Yeah, but funny story, though, yeah. I, I get all kinds of text messages from from everybody who won't know if I'm in jail. So word travels <laughs> fast in a small town. <laughs>
3: That's a true story. <laughs> true story.
2: Uh, that's,
3: I mean, really, for me, same thing, just busy with work. But, um, honestly, uh, going to be gone this weekend, taking my wife uh, for, uh, for uh, her birthday, her, her 40th birthday. Don't tell anybody.
2: Lordy, lordy, Liz is 40.
3: And uh, taking her out of town for a few days, so it'll be fun. I can't tell you where we're going. I guess we could, because you wouldn't find out till after. Undisclosed location. <laughs> but, anyway uh, you want to lead us off here in prayer?
2: Oh yeah. Heavenly Father, thank you today. Thank you for the many blessings that you've given us. Well, uh, I'm extremely thankful for the, uh, the warm weather, get out and about and do some things and, and enjoy, uh, all the beautiful things that you've created. And, uh, I'm just thankful for the show today. Thankful for today's guest, uh, for the, the courage to come forward and, and talk about the hard, difficult things and be vulnerable and, uh, tell their story today father we're just thankful for that and we just pray that your holy spirit uh, wrap around all three of us and just lead and guide this conversation and we just uh, obey your voice and follow in jesus name amen amen well today uh, we got with this uh, author and speaker george carnell jr and uh, he's the author of a book called from queer to christ my journey into the light And uh, I'd like to read uh, an excerpt from his website, and that is uh, georgecarneal.com. It says, Raised in the 70s by a Southern Baptist minister in the ultra-conservative Bible belt, for years he struggled with his Christian faith and same-sex attraction. George shares his painful journey through a secular world at odds with homosexuality in addition to the religious world that is hostile to homosexuals. Uh, by sharing his journey through the eyes and mind of a confused child dealing with the same-sex attraction will give some insight into the pain and difficulty of uh, navigating these two worlds george spent 25 years immersed in the lifestyle and shares his pitfalls of it this is the journey and what he has learned along the way and deliverance from that bondage is possible and that there is hope in christ i mean what a what a powerful message and uh, just very relevant to to what's going on today. So, George, thank you for coming and speaking with us today. Thank you for having me on the show. So uh, tell us a little bit about uh, you and uh, your upbringing and what what got you here today.
1: Well, I was raised in the 70s by a father um, who was a pastor, and I wrote the book From Queer to Christ because I... Really wanted to just detail what it was like to grow up as someone who was struggling with their faith and struggling with the same sex attraction. And I really wanted to just give Christians insight into the mind of a child who is struggling with the issue and what it's like for that individual, and perhaps give them some uh, insight into what it's like to struggle with this issue, to struggle with your faith, what really laid the foundation for me going into that lifestyle. And what God had to do to reveal the lies and to eventually pull me out of that life. So in my book, From Queer to Christ, um, I'm I'm not X-rated, but I don't sugarcoat what that life is like. Because I really want Christians to understand that when you affirm this lifestyle or you affirm those individuals because you feel like it is the most loving thing to do, I hope that you will rethink your stance because you really don't understand the reality of what that lifestyle is like. And what you're being told by the media and Hollywood, it's it's a very sanitized version, and they are lying to you. And with that and the LGBT activists and even the liberal theologians who are twisting God's word and pushing the we're under grace, gay is okay narrative, I do take the talking points of these liberal theologians, and I debunk them with scripture. So it was really just 25 years of me being programmed in a cult. It's really what it is. It's a cult. And... Um, just really God having to break down to reveal who he truly is and to help me to see the lies of what I had been programmed to believe, even about him. And it was just really a journey that I just wanted to share with people, but also to give hope to the parents who have LGBT children, to know that if God can pull me out of that life after 25 years, there is hope for your children. And I especially want LGBT individuals who are watching that if they are struggling with this issue and you feel like a piece of garbage and God hates you and you believe all of the negative stuff, the mean spirit of Christians have fed your mind, I'm here today to tell you that there is hope and that God really does love you and that while God hates the sin of homosexuality, he hates the sin of heterosexuals as well. And it's really... It's really about us, all of us trying to live a life that is pleasing to God and just trying to expose the lies and to reprogram you to understand how much God really loves you and how much he's invested in you, and especially by what Jesus did on the cross. So I'm hoping to give some hope to those individuals today as well.
3: Well, I think, and the way you say that, I really like that, but I think it's a really important um, part that you said right there was when we look at the fact that, so many people condemn homosexuality you know they, they I should say this they condemn the individual not they don't condemn the sin they condemn the individual when if you look back to you know um, with Jesus right when they bring the uh, the prostitute before him and, and they they all want to stone her they're trying to get Jesus to, to back that up he starts writing in the sand and we can only assume he's writing each of their sins down in the sand right right in front of them and he who is without sin cast the first stone so the way that that I was always raised and I was brought up and I, I'm, I'm very blessed in that regard but not everybody had a, 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 a and, I, and I, I even rebelled against it quite a bit myself but um, I was brought up in such a way and, and, and a way to, to love everybody but we don't love what everybody does and Correct but we need to still show love to all those people. But I guess my next question would be then, at what point in your life, when you started you know, having those feelings and started struggling with that, I guess kind of start and take us down your path, down this road.
1: I remember in first grade being attracted to both a little girl and also a little boy. And as I went on through elementary school, my attraction toward boys became much stronger. And I was really bullied a lot in school, and I was, I was, I really had a disconnect with my male peers. And I was beat, punched, beaten up, always chosen last for the teams. I hated sports. Um, I felt like an outcast. I Had one guy threaten to slip my throat. Just horrific things that happened. Um, and so, growing up and dealing with that rejection and having the young boys. Call me sissy, faggot, queer, queerbait, homo. I didn't know what those words meant, but I knew by the tone that this is not good. And then when I eventually kind of figured out what it meant, what was confusing for me was how were they able to determine something about me that I had yet to come to terms with myself? So this was very confusing. And in the 70s, you certainly didn't have celebrities coming out. And I don't remember homosexuality being discussed unless it was just in passing by so-called Christians or people in general, who had very disgusting remarks to make about the homosexuals. So I learned very early on not to trust anyone. And then when I would go to church, and eventually my father or you would hear other pastors or people talk about Sodom and Gomorrah, that was another contentious thing within me where I I hated my father for talking about it. I hated God even more because... I didn't understand why I was being condemned for something I didn't ask for. I didn't know where it came from. So I thought, well, if you're going to reject me, I'm going to reject you first. And I did. Um, When it came to the Christians in the church, none of them ever spoke in a way of where I felt like I could go to them and really share what I was struggling with. And I didn't even think to go to a library and look at library books because I was scared to death that if I tried to check out something about that topic, that what if someone saw me? So I was in my head a lot, very depressed, angry, frustrated, fed up. I just really had a lot of animosity toward Christians and just my male peers in general. So it was that disconnect with my male peers and with my father, who wasn't very demonstrative in his love. And what really, I think, laid the foundation and caused me that once I went into a gay bar, I became so easily addicted to that life because it was the first time that I was being treated differently by guys mm. and being looked at differently. Now, I know now know that that wasn't the right kind of attention I needed, but at that time, there was such a void in me with male affection and male bonding because I had a lot of female love around me that I became addicted to that attention, that need to sleep with a guy. And even if it was just to sleep with him to get 10, 15, 20 minutes, an hour of just affection and feeling like I mattered, that's really what drove the behavior. Sadly, when you go into that life, and this is where a lot of LGBT individuals, I think, mistake that what they are feeling is who they are. It feels great in the beginning. We all know that when we're doing something new, whether it's sinful or not, we think, wow, this this is really great. And you feel like it's you, and I'm around people who are like me, and I'm meeting people, I'm meeting friends, I have people that I'm meeting through with the same mindset. Yeah, you're excited because it and because it feels right and it feels good and I'm happy in this, then this must be who I am. And that's how I think you get so easily caught up and ensnared in that lifestyle. But we all know that sin is only fun for a season. And within three years of having walked into a gay bar and i lived a pretty vanilla life but within three years i was battling drug and alcohol issues and severe depression i had a sex addiction i was a prostitute and i talk about this in my book and i eventually attempted suicide i was just tired of the life and i just felt like i had no hope like why would god love me and christians had already i had already resigned myself to the fact that i was going to hell because of the mean-spirited Christians who would say things like, you know, God hates fags, and fags are going to hell, and He created AIDS to kill the fags. What kind of hope does this give to these individuals? So, um, it was there was so much turmoil going on and so much sadness and sorrow and so much rage at the same time in trying to understand this monster in my head and my resentment as to why am I saddled with this, but my brothers and my sister are not. Um, sadly, it would be another 22 years before, after that, before God would truly get me out of that life. So that's really what precipitated going into that life. And what I try to do in the book is just really give some insight into what that lifestyle is like with the drag queens and the drug culture, the drinking, uh, promiscuity, um, how dangerous that lifestyle is. Because what people don't know is that when you're searching – and you're trying to meet someone, and especially in the 70s and 80s and 90s when you didn't have the internet and the the dating apps, you really had to meet people in bars or back alleys or in parks, really seedy areas, which really could put your life at risk. And what a lot of people don't know is the risk of being raped, drugged, robbed, and murdered by meeting strangers all for the sake of trying to have sex. And people may look at this from a standpoint of – Always just those filthy disgusting homosexuals having sex but what made it so seedy was that you couldn't go like you can today um go out and and be out go to a restaurant and meet people perhaps at mixers or at events where it didn't see so seem so shady and seedy so um It's just a really dangerous lifestyle, not to mention all of the sexually transmitted diseases that come from that. And sadly, what a lot of the young gay men especially don't understand is AIDS is hardly talked about anymore. But for the older gay men in the 80s and 90s who watched the gay community was just ravaged because of AIDS and to watch our loved ones, our friends, to die of this horrific disease and to see what it entailed and what the dying process was like and what they went through. It is a horrific thing to watch. But sadly, it's not discussed hardly anymore. And if you do become HIV positive, so what? They've got enough drug cocktails now to really extend your life for a long period of time. And you even have some gay men who deliberately and intentionally sleep with HIV positive men because once they are diagnosed, they no longer care. They can just go and have sex with whomever they want. Because at the end of the day, they really have no value for their own life. They don't see any hope. And I think that's the message I would like to definitely at least convey today is that it's no different than the heterosexuals who go to the bars and especially women who are looking for love. And we all go through, a a lot of us go through a very promiscuous stage because we're looking for something. But if you truly get to the bottom of the root core issues of what is driving the behavior in that individual, you will find that most have come from broken homes, maybe shame, trauma, rejection, maybe sexual, physical, emotional, verbal abuse. There are a lot of factors at play that really drive that behavior. But if we could, as Christians, just step back and get to know these individuals and love on them and gain their trust and find out what their childhood was like, you're going to see a lot of the issues right there. So you'll know how to pray for them and give them some hope. Um, There's a lot of brokenness in the LGBT community, but I do want the Christians to know God has not given up on that community, and he is doing a work in that community. And I hear from gay men from all over the world, LGBT individuals, but mostly gay men, who state they are very miserable in that life. But the media will not highlight stories of those of us coming out of the life because it goes against the narrative. But they are thankful to see that others are leaving that life. And when I see the post even on social media of former gay lesbians and transgender individuals They're so thankful to be out of that life, and they talk about how miserable they were. So God is doing a work. People are coming out of that life, and I just hope that people will pray for that community because I really believe God is going to do a work, and perhaps a revival will happen in that community. We're not going to reach all of them, but I believe a good number of them, especially those who were raised in Christian homes, are going to find their way back to God. I truly believe that. And
2: I was always of the opinion, you know, I've, I've had this conversation with my kids. You know, they have several, you know, gay friends and transgender friends. And we're talking, you know, from my, my youngest is in eighth grade and my oldest is a, is a sophomore. And uh, even one of their friends, uh, you know, is a, a transgender. She's a female, but she dresses as a boy and identifies as a boy. And, you know, she comes over to the house all the time. You know, we, we love on her. We, we've taken her to, you know, amusement parks and spent, you know, a lot of quality time with her and, and just poured out love to her. And I I told my, my daughter specifically, you know, I said, I'm of the opinion it's the the stereotypes that, like, plant these seeds. Mm-hmm. You know, because like you were saying, you know, just because, you know, you weren't athletic, you know, or you wouldn't. You know quote unquote you know you didn't fit in the box of a a, a manly man or a kid you mm-hmm. were different and you were you know called out and made fun of so therefore you know you were you were pushed out you were exiled and no i mean just just because you know you're not the most athletic doesn't mean that you're you're, you're gay you know right. or just because you like fashion or like to dress you know certain ways or more flashy ways don't make you gay or less of a man you know it's it's the stereotypes and i told my daughter i said you know your friend it could be that you know she's just a a tomboy and there's Mm -hmm. lots of tomboy girls out there that like to play sports that like to hang out with the guys that doesn't make her a boy and it's just so scary right now because you know we got people passing legislation where you know, six, seven-year-old kids, you know, their frontal lobe is not even fully developed yet, are allowed to make decisions to, you know, remove their penises and, and remove their breasts and start taking these, you know, hormone replacement therapies and stuff like that. And then it's just, uh, that's one thing I've always thought is just uh, the stereotypes. When people don't fit in those stereotypical boxes, they're, they're pushed out and labeled something else and it kind of plants a, a subconscious seed and pushes them that way.
1: Well, it's funny you say that because I was doing a media interview with a woman who was a tomboy when she was a kid. And when I was I was in my preteens, I used to cross-dress and I'd wear some of my mom's high heel shoes and clothes and stuff. But thank God we both – it was a phase. And we were so glad that we weren't raised during this time because we might have bought into the, oh, I'm supposed to be of the opposite sex and destroyed our lives by taking the cross-sex hormones or even actually going through with the cross-sex surgeries. But we moved through that phase, and that's why I think it's so important that no one should be allowed to even go down that path until they are at least 25. And I think from 18 25, they should listen to every former transgender individual or those who have transitioned, what they've been through, the nightmare that they've gone through, the botched surgeries, the infections, and everything that they've had to go through so they can be fully armed and informed with information before making such a life-altering decision because they can't change their gender all they are doing is plastic surgery and the doctors are getting rich and they have to pick up the pieces to their shattered lives so hopefully your daughter's friend will move through this phase but i hope she will think twice before going down this path because the cross-sex hormones that they will be required to take, not to mention the cost alone of the surgeries and the multiple surgeries that have to be done to even fashion a fake penis and it's graphic what they do. They these kids need to know the truth. And it infuriates me that the medical community at large is not being honest with the American people or people around the world or parents. And what they are doing is, is when these LG when the trans individuals go in for counseling. They're, they may get one session, and they're like, oh, yeah, you're trans, and they start fast-tracking them to get these cross-sex hormones and fast-tracking them to start getting the surgeries. And it's just – it's infuriating that you can't go into the military until you're 18 or you can't drive until you're 16 or vote till you're 18 or whatever it is um, or, or get alcohol and what have you. But you can decide at seven years of age to go on cross-sex hormones, which might thwart – your uh, puberty and there are a lot, of, a lot of other issues that will happen as a result of that and then you can make these life altering decisions to your body it's infuriating and these people don't care about the children this is a money-making racket Damn. they are creating patience for life and it's just an agenda a spiritual warfare agenda behind that to destroy the lives of these children because they hate god And it's really a spiritual warfare, and we've got to stand up against this. And parents really have to get their kids out of the public school system if they want to salvage anything of their child's mind because a lot of them are not being told, and I have a lot of this information on my website. If they go to page two, you don't have to read. You don't have to um, be overwhelmed by the amount of information that's on there. But if you could see the headlines alone, if there's something you're interested in, you can click on it. But if you knew what the teachers were doing and the counselors and the principals, what they were doing behind the parents' backs because there have been actual liberal teachers who have been called on undercover camera admitting, we know that we only have nine months to groom them. And now from K through 12, they already have the curriculum mapped out to where by the time they graduate from high school, they will have had 12 to 13 years of this indoctrination. Imagine in 10 to 15 more years what this country is going to be like when we older ones die off and these individuals' lives and their minds have been destroyed by these lies. Who's going to know what truth is anymore, and especially God's truth? That's why we must expose this agenda and get the kids out of the public school system. Look, even if you are somewhat nervous about homeschooling a child, if you simply teach them how to read and write and their arithmetic and a little bit of history— and they know how to write a letter and, and address it. You know, I mean, they're going to come out far farther ahead than they are through 12 years in the communist indoctrination centers known as the public school system. Most of these kids coming out now are failing. They, they can hardly read. They don't un- know math. It's, they have been so dumbed down but yet brainwashed with this LGBT agenda, the, the CRT, the critical race theory, you know, white kids being told to hate themselves just propaganda and this agenda that's being pushed on these young children i don't understand why there hasn't been a mass exodus of children from the public school system but i want to encourage parents you can go to my website i also have some other um, information on homeschooling on there to just give you a start And you can always reach out to those organizations and maybe they can guide and lead and direct you Uh, to local areas to where you can get the kind of help you need to consider homeschooling. And my website is georgecarneal.com, C-A-R-N-E-A-L.com. So feel free to check it out. There's a lot of good information on there, including they are introducing Satanism into the school systems as well. And I have links to the Satanic coloring books that are out there. So a lot of good information, but this is a war for the children and their minds
3: i 100 percent agree with you on the the fact that there's this agenda that they that is being pushed and we see it all around us i mean we, we see it as adults we see it you know obviously our kids who are even you know we i used to think the kids were more impressionable but after watching how somebody can just watch a news network and automatically believe everything they hear uh, i i don't know if the kids are more impressionable or the adults anymore I, I really don't i feel that we have there's been this agenda over a period of time to really dumb us down. Cause you know, if we go to the news or anything like that, we we used to just be told facts. If you go back and this is even, I'd say, I'm, I don't know how old you are. I'm 42. So I, I I'm can go 58. Back to, so
1: I've been around the block. <laughs>
3: so If we go back, say you go back and you, and even before you, you know, you were given the facts, right? Mm-hmm. You're, you're Walter Conkright on the news and he'd just tell you, this is what happened. Yeah. Now, everything is, this is what happened, and this is how you should feel about it. So, you're already programmed to, they, they'll tell you something that happened, and whether or not you should be mad or happy about it. This legislation passed, and oh, there was, you know, it was a, the best thing, that, and they will tell you how to feel about it. And we are all pushed this way, and whether or not anybody believes it, every one of us, even Christian people, uh, across the way are influenced by certain things that are around us that way. There's always agendas around us. So we have to be very careful and, and always pray for that discernment for not only our kids, but for ourselves so that we don't get sucked into those things and fall down those, those, those pitfalls that Satan puts out in front of us. And I think that that, that is something that is, is more prevalent now than ever because people fall into this very easily and all the time. So I, I think you're. I think, I think you hit the nail on the head with that.
2: Well, even your uh, foundation in Christ, because now you know even the uh, LGBT community is uh, twisting and perverting Scripture. Mm-hmm. I seen a video not that long ago of this uh, transgender uh, man, and he was uh, throwing out all kinds of Bible Scripture, and he was talking about uh, uh, Joseph. He said oh well joseph had the most prettiest woman in egypt throw herself on him he turned her down you know he he was not interested in men and then he was uh, all his brothers were men of the field it says here that you know he was uh you know uh oh i can't remember the exact terminology now but but basically you know uh a man of the house that he was learning to to read and cook and and do all these you know feminine type things so i mean this was going on a long time ago and and god favored them you know and if you don't know your your scripture you could easily
1: be you know tricked yeah the big well first of all back to what uh, steve was saying we are being told what to think and not how to think and people have lost the ability to use rational thinking skills, to use the brain that God gave them. Whatever the media tells you, you're told to believe it, and you stay with the narrative, and it's even in the LGBT community. They are told what to think and believe, and for those gays and lesbians and even drag queens who refuse to go along with it, who see it for what it is and dare to step out of line, even they are attacked. So there definitely is a narrative, and and you must stick with it, and if you definitely are a free thinker, and are an independent person, you're going to be attacked, and they're going to try to destroy and shut you down. Um, but what you were saying, Justin, about the Bible, yes, one of the things I often heard was uh, about David and Jonathan, uh, that they were lovers, and yes. that Ruth and Naomi, they were lesbian lovers, and that Jesus was afraid of homophobia, so he never came out, but that's why he hung out with men, because he was gay, and that God, because we're made in the image of God, both male and female, that God is transgender. It's If you don't know God's word, you will buy that garbage. And that's really what kept me um, in bondage longer than I needed to be because you really are bombarded with so much propaganda that there was a gay gene and, oh, they studied and there was a gay frog and then there was two gay penguins who hung out together. And you start to think, well, if there's homosexuality in the animal kingdom, maybe it's natural and maybe it's supposed to be in human form as well and that it's acceptable and it's natural they play with your head so much this is why i was so confused and eventually when god moved me into a liberal church in los angeles and they were pushing this lgbt agenda it was at first i thought well god put me here and i got excited because i thought well maybe the conservative christians have it wrong and he's going to deprogram my mind and help me to see that it is okay to be in a committed monogamous relationship because we can all agree promiscuity is wrong. And I got all excited, but as time went on, I was still could not get any peace. And as they continued to push it, there was so much uneasiness with me and I, I just couldn't get on board with it. And I got to the point of where I was, I was so, I was in tears a lot and just crying and banging on the steering wheel and yelling at God, and I just said, God, if you can just give me peace with this, if it is okay to be in a committed monogamous relationship, if you'll just give me peace with it, I trust you'll put a good Christian man in my life. But if, Because we all want to love and be loved, and I want to grow old and be with someone who wants to be alone. But I also said to God, but if it is wrong under all circumstances, and if you will help me to know that and give me peace about it, I will still follow you. And I was very sincere in that prayer. And through a series of events that I talk about in the book, I eventually uh, ended up leaving that life. And I've been out for 15 years, haven't been with a man. I can look at a woman and think she's beautiful. I can look at a man and think he's good looking. But that grip, that need, that desire to sleep with someone or even a man has been taken away. Because what a lot of people don't know is, especially to the LGBT community, when you give your life to Christ and it unlocks the power of the Holy Spirit to start working in your life, It was really through the counseling and what God was doing in my life that helped me to deal with some of my root core issues that I went through as a child that helped me to overcome the behavior that was driving this need to sleep with men. So that's why I want to say to the LGBT individuals, I know it's so difficult when Christians talk about needing to leave that life, and I understand when a parent especially is telling you this. And I know for me, when my dad would have this conversation with me, it would feel like he was just sticking a knife in me and twisting it because I thought, Dad, you don't really understand. I, I am looking for love, and I don't want to grow old and spend my life alone. But what I didn't understand was that my dad was looking at this from an eternal perspective, and I was only looking at it from a worldly perspective. And finally, one day when he communicated it that way, it all made sense. He didn't want me to die and go to hell, and he wanted me to have a relationship with God. He wanted to know that he was going to be with me for eternity in God's heavenly home. And when he said it that way, it finally clicked and made sense, and I understood where he was coming from, which is really where other Christians are coming from because they love you enough to tell you the truth because they don't want you to die and go to hell. And God's word is clear that it is an abomination, and there's not one instance in God's word where – when the act of two same-sex individuals engage in sexual intercourse it's always spoken of in a negative light so so again when i take those talking points that the liberal theologians give it's really to debunk that and to hopefully correct a lot of the lies that the lgbt community is being fed as well as the woke christians who have embraced this agenda i'm sorry but i think that those who embrace this agenda are doing it out of their own ego. It's so they can say to everybody else, look how um, accepting I am. Look how wonderful I am. I'm being Christ-like. And all it is is about their ego because until you listen to those of us who've lived in the life, until you understand what the reality of that lifestyle is like, when you are fully immersed in that life, you would be ashamed and I would think mortified to think that you would encourage someone that you love and care about go into that world because it is a very dangerous lifestyle and again i go through some of that in my book but we must be diligent and speak the truth of god's word in love to these individuals and to deprogram of the lies that they've been fed by the media by hollywood by the lgbt activists and the liberal theologians um you made a great point
0: you don't have to be a bible scholar to insure your home and auto with the better insurance agency so even if you don't know your tabernacle from your tallest we will still help you shop through multiple insurance companies to find the right coverage and low price. Whether it is home or auto, life insurance, or insurance for your small business, the Better Insurance Agency will be there to help. After all, a better future is built on a firm foundation. Find out more and visit us at www.thebetterquote.com today. Available only in Virginia and Tennessee. The
2: key point that that I really want to focus on was, you said, with love. You know, Jesus said, "Love fulfills the law." We have too many Pharisaic spirits out there in the Christian community, and I've I've spoke about this in in several episodes. You know, the Christians that you see outside the abortion clinics, you know, with the picket signs. You know, you are a murderer. You are going to hell. You know, and hanging outside of the, the the gay bars, you know, and God hate God hates queers, and and things like that. You're just you're hardening the soil for the person that's actually coming with love and a bag of seed to try to throw on that soil. Well, you've stomped that soil, made it so hard it's never going to accept a seed. Mm-hmm. It's it'd been better off if you'd have just stayed home. You know, you're 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 ruining the 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 pasture for the the next guy that's actually coming to try to sow seeds of love you know it's like that old southern saying you know uh, uh, a bee flocks faster to, to honey than it does to salt you know yeah. you're going to respond so much better if somebody comes to you gets to know you and, and, and invests in you and lets you know that they love you and comes at you and be like you know i love you and what you're doing is wrong you know like like you said your dad said you know i I love you enough to want to see you in the kingdom of god in heaven i don't want your your soul forever damned you're going to respond in a positive way to that versus you know the the other one
1: yeah and thank god i had christians other christians in my life who had gained my trust who would lovingly talk to me about god's word it's one thing to point out the clobber passages but you don't just leave a person hanging okay so god says all of this against homosexuality but then where's the hope and it's knowing that you know god is invested in us that he knows the number of hairs on our head that he knew us when he formed us in the womb that jesus died on the cross for our sins and that he has an eternal home waiting for us he promises he has a mansion for us and to know that you really matter to god it's, it's one thing to give those clobber passages, but then to turn around and give them some hope and say that even if you are celibate and single, look at what the Apostle Paul did. Jesus was single and celibate, and look at what he accomplished, and look at his life. Yeah, it's tough. The Christian life is tough. It's not easy. Life is unfair to everyone, but we really must pick up our cross and carry it and follow Christ, be obedient to what God says. And keep our eyes focused on the eternal reward because all of this is temporary and it's going to end. And when I finally got my head out of my rear end and could see that, it helped me to deal with this much easier because I, at times when I get discouraged with what I see going on in the world or I feel lonely or I'm losing family members or friends who have died, you know, life is sad at times. But there is a joy that I have of knowing this is going to end. And one day God promises me— and promises all of us who accept christ a place where we're not going to cry anymore no more tears no more sorrow suffering and it's it's going to be amazing so that's what keeps me going and i would just like to encourage those who are also very discouraged now especially christians who are going through spiritual warfare hang in there because it will be worth it and um you can't go wrong following christ and i would say to the lgbt individuals if you've tried everything else what do you have to lose By just giving jesus a chance sit down and read matthew mark luke and john and look at how jesus dealt with the outcasts the demonized the sick the lost the suffering the poor the widows the orphans he has such a heart for the for the broken and for the humble and he loves you and i just want to say again if you've tried everything else what do you have to lose by giving jesus a chance
3: i think jumping right on the back of that is the romans 5 8 and that's a verse that's always spoke to me. But God demonstrates his love for us in this. While we were still sinners, Christ died for us. And it doesn't say, well, some of us were sinners. It says we're all sinners. And yes. he didn't die for some of us. He died for all of us. So it's, it's so important that we understand. And this is where it doesn't matter. Justin, me, you, we've all sinned. Yep. We're, I'm no better than you. I'm no better than Justin. Matter of fact, uh, you know, in my eyes, I probably feel like I'm worse at, 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 with certain things in the past. So, the way that you, the way that we, we view sin, we can't put and say, you know, because the way God views sin is once you've sinned, that's it. You, you're you're a sinner, and without Jesus' grace, we'd all be damned. It doesn't matter who yeah. you are. We are all in that same boat. We're all going down with the ship, right? So, mm-hmm. with Jesus, with Jesus' grace by Jesus dying for us on the cross, he gave everybody the opportunity for that grace. And the only unforgivable sin, it says in the Bible, only unforgivable sin is rejection of the Holy Spirit. Mm -hmm. As long as we trust God, if we trust Jesus, we believe that in our hearts and we repent of our sins, guess what? We're all going to be hanging out in heaven together one day. And I'm looking forward to that. Yes. So I guess... Sorry, glossing over. I know I, I get sidetracked a lot, and I apologize. But um, oh no, no problem. But uh, I guess kind of next step here, we're kind of go. We've kind of gone a little bit chronologically. Um, I, I kind of want to know how. And you said your dad kind of talked to you a little bit about things and made you see it in a different light. But how did you? Because I feel like that would probably be the ba- the hardest thing. Would be you've been immersed in a lifestyle, you know. And this you could say this about everything you've been through. You could say this about. Um, um, and I'm not equating the things exactly, obviously, but like like drugs or, or, or uh, different, different addictions in our lives, things that we are drawn to to fill the emptiness, the hole that Jesus is supposed to fill, but we're drawn to these other addictions in our lives. How do we break that mold? How did you get out of that? Because I think that's the hardest thing for most people is how do you break an addiction like that?
2: Yeah. And like I was about to ask too, like, and that correlates mm-hmm. with it was, uh, if you don't mind sharing, what was, what was your aha moment? You know what yeah, I mean? What was, exactly. what was your, 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 your turnaround moment?
1: Was it the conversation with your dad? No, my dad and I had a lot of fights and there was a four year period where I didn't even talk to him and I really wasn't even touch with my family a lot. This is common for a lot of LGBT individuals who are struggling. They will cut their family off. That's why it's so important to love them and keep that line of communication open because when they eventually need and realize this is a dead end and I need to, um, I need need to, a, a place to escape this, they need to know that they can come back home and call the parents and not have this, oh, I told you so. But for me, the aha moment was I was in a CD bar in Hollywood that I would frequent and it had male and female prostitutes, jailbirds people who had been really down and out in their lives but I loved going in that bar because they were really real because anyone who knows anything about Los Angeles it's a very fake phony pretentious city and it's all about impressing everyone and keeping up with the Joneses and I hated it but being in that bar there was one old man that sat in a corner and he would always be there and just drink and he would drink all night long and for some reason my heart really broke for him but it one night I felt like God was pointing him out and almost saying to me that if this is the path you want to continue on, this is the, this is you at the end of that road. And there was something about that that was so heartbreaking to me that I knew I'm not sure if God wants anything to do with me because I was so confused in my head, but I knew this is not going to be the end of the road for me. And what my father had been praying unbeknownst to me was that, do whatever it takes short of taking his life to bring him to his knees and make him so miserable, he will leave that life. And it really was the misery that drove me out of that life. And in fact, before I even started to walk the path of trying to find God, I had already walked out of it, turned my back on it, and I was about a year to a year and a half in celibacy at that point. I had already gone through studying Hinduism and the occult and New Age teachings because my real issue was, I hated Christians, and that's a generalization. I know there are some good ones out there, but overall I did not want to go into a church because I did not want to be around Christians. I had been hurt by so many. I hated them, and I wanted to avoid them, but God wasn't having it. So when I'm trying to build my own brand of spirituality through Hinduism and the occult and New Age teachings, I'm glad God was patient because he also exposed the holes in those world religions, and I found myself more dissatisfied and more confused about um, how do I how do I have a, a, a real connection to God? How do I get to him? But thankfully through a series of events again, God moved me into a Bible study where they taught Genesis and it, it happened on a Monday night, Monday night and I decided to go to it and for two years I did the the beginner and then the intermediate and then I went back to the beginner to catch whatever I missed the first time. But it was through that Bible study, I hungered for God so much, and I loved just studying the book of Genesis, and they would tie it into the rest of God's word. But it also gave me a chance to kind of get my feet wet and get back (laughs) into the church. And at least those Christians that were there, they were loving and very kind. And um, it slowly, I think, softened my heart, and God just started to do a work on me, and I just hungered for God so much more. I actually have a former trans male friend, she and her mother uh, uh, came to blows as well and she actually had her breast removed and her her internal organs removed god did a miracle in her life but what happened was was god did a number on her mother first really brought her mother to her knees to where my friend saw the change in her own mom and she realized wow this is a different way that my mom is doing things And her mother started teaching a women's Bible class. And she was asking my friend, would you take these courses and put them on the Internet so the ladies can read them? And as my friend was typing them into uh, on the Internet, onto the website, the word of God started to penetrate her (laughs) and it started to do a number on her. And God is so funny to me. He really has a sense of humor. You never know how he's going to work in an individual's life, but it was through it the change in his mother first, and then her own uh, Sunday school lessons, or the lessons for the ladies' group, and my friend typing it on the website, that the word started to penetrate her. And uh, and now she's out, she's married, and, and uh, although she has to live with the regret she'll never be able to have children, God is doing a work, and He has a sense of humor, and He's going to do it in a way in which He can get our attention and get these individuals out of bondage. Amen.
3: I just think it's so important that that like you said people no matter what we've been through and how far we've taken things it's never too late until it truly is too late you know what I mean we mm-hmm. have to we have to go and and reach everybody we can i mean our, our goal and we talk about it all the time in this show is is to uh, empty out hell and populate heaven and, yeah. and and that's reaching that's trying to reach a lot of different people in a lot of different groups and you know, we love everybody, and and I said it before, I said, my main goal always in my life, and I have to double, I have to catch myself, and I think we all do at times, is you can't judge the sin. You, 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 or you can't judge the sinner, you can only judge the sin. We have to really truly look at, look ourselves in the mirror. We can't cast that first stone. We have to always remember that we are truly, you know, just as messed up as everybody else but the difference between us and those other people is we know we have our salvation we know that yeah. that that we have the Holy Spirit living in us we know that we can talk to God whenever we want and, and God comforts us and he's there for us when we're having a bad day and I mean I, I've had some bad days recently and I, I know I can say we probably all have but I've had some bad days recently and I know that I can sit I can pray I can talk to God he hears me and guess what God comforts me and if I didn't have that, I don't know how people get through. Yeah, I mean that—that that to me just blows me away. How do you do it without that?
1: Yeah, and I one of the things that really irks me and upsets me is when I hear Christians say, "Oh, that person's too far gone." No one is too far no. gone. No one is too far out of God's reach. As long as they are breathing, there is still hope for that individual, and we must never give up on them. And and Justin, back to what you were asking about the addictions um i think people have to get to the point in their own lives to where they say i am tired of this addiction i'm tired of feeling tired and miserable all of the time and for me that really was it even in terms of the drugs and the alcohol i recognized the drugs were doing nothing for me the alcohol was making me even more depressed sleeping with men i would leave and it would feel good in the moment but when i would leave i would feel so empty just I ached so much in my own soul. I was just longing for something to fill that void that I didn't know that could only be filled by Jesus Christ and the Holy Spirit and my Heavenly Father working with me. And so, sadly, I think it just takes some time for individuals to finally say, I've had enough, and I'm going to, be, I'm going to commit myself to getting better, getting off the drugs, the alcohol, the pornography, even food addiction. There's and shopping addictions that I know several of my female friends have. So there are a lot of things, again, that drive the behavior. But if people could get into counseling and just ask God to be a part of their counseling session, I found that that was such a beneficial thing for me to do. I would just simply say, God, uh, have the counselor ask me the questions of things that you want me to look at or bring to mind things that perhaps I've forgotten about that I need to look at and address. And I found that my counseling sessions were much more productive, even when I thought, oh, I feel great, and why should I go into counseling today? All the problems are, are gone. I feel good. But then I'd come out of there sobbing mess, because God just really worked to really expose things that I had really hidden or just shoved down and no longer wanted to think about, um, things that were really affecting my life. So I just want to encourage people, especially if you give your life to Christ, ask the Holy Spirit to be a part of your counseling session and find you a good Christian counselor, one who is so loving and respectful of your journey but will still tell you the truth of God's Word if if the subject of God's Word comes up and to try to steer you in the right direction. You can't go wrong, and it's so nice to be free from that bondage.
2: Which from your website, there was a, there was a word in that... Uh last paragraph that really stood out to me and i wanted to ask you about it in the last paragraph uh, of the introduction on your website it said deliverance from that bondage is possible and there is hope in christ that word deliverance stood out to me and i don't know if that was intentional on your part or if i'm if i'm just you know seeing it myself but uh do you believe uh you know, the, the homosexual lust and uh, things of that nature is a uh, demonic
1: oppression. I definitely, definitely believe it's demonic, just like heterosexual lust. Right. And we're all going to struggle, struggle with it. Um, the point is, is that we have, you know, it's one thing to see somebody and you think, oh, they're beautiful or they're good looking, but That's fine, but quickly change your thought process. It's sitting there and allowing yourself to start going into this fantasy of having sex with that individual that I believe God frowns upon. I know for me, I know it's demonic. There are times where I could be working or I could just simply go to the kitchen to get something to eat, and things like pornography or masturbation or men will just cross my mind, and I'm not even thinking about it. And I know they are – impressions, I believe, from the demonic realm to try to always kind of keep me tripped up and try to keep me in that bondage. But I found that the longer that I was able to stop sleeping with men and I turned my back on that life, it's almost like the demons or Satan knew that, well, this is not working anymore because he's not affected by it. Because God has really given me a deliverance. It doesn't mean that I want to go out and sleep with women I don't really want to be with anyone i really want to be used by god for this ministry work i want to take what few years i have left to do something for the lord and for his kingdom since i feel like i made such a mess of my life the first 43 years of my life or so and then of course 15 years being out of that life so i want to do for the lord and i know some people um they need a relationship but know steve and justin as you well know there are a lot of people who are in relationships and in marriages and they can't stand each other they're miserable (laughs) they don't talk to each other the kids are miserable so and even if you grow old and have someone there's no guarantee that you will go before them you may outlive and outlast everyone you still may be at the end of the day alone and for me i had to realize whether people are in my life or not, I have to, God has to be more than enough. And I have to rest in that. And I have to trust that if everyone else dies around me or abandons me, that when I'm on my deathbed, I just have to trust and believe that God will be there to comfort me and help me through it. And I think once you get to a place of where God really is more than enough, that anything else is just a cherry on top of the icing um, or icing on the cake. Mm -hmm. Um, So for me, it was really a process of God showing me who he really is and deprogramming me of the lies that he's just ready to pounce on us when we mess up and that you can't live up to my expectations and I don't really love you and just all of these horrific things that I thought about God. But he has been very patient with me to help me to get to a place of where I really see him as an ally. And that really has been a a long struggle for me because growing up, all I knew was the God who was, he was a God of vengeance. He hates fags. He's going to jump on you when you mess up. If you don't use your talent for him, he's going to take it away from you. If you don't tithe, he's going to make you poor. All of these horrific things I thought about him. But God has really worked to just show me uh, his true nature. And when I read God's word, and I would say this to LGBT individuals. Pay attention to when God is threatening to destroy cities or he is bringing judgment down on individuals. It's because of their rebellion, idolatry, wickedness, whatever it is. But God gives us a standard of things to do because he knows it will bring peace to our lives. And the things that he says don't do, he's not doing it to keep us from having fun. He knows that if you do it, it's going to wreak havoc in your life, open demonic doorways, because all they need is a foothold to get in and to wreak havoc in your life. So once I got the chip off my shoulder and I was able to see God in the light of who he really is and what Jesus did on the cross, that you will have no bigger and better ally because unlike people, he's not going to abandon you or sleep around on you or stab you in the back or hurt you or do something to cause you harm. And I just want you to know that you have the biggest ally in our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ.
2: Amen. But see, when I thought about you know uh, the whole you know the homosexual and LGBT, uh, all that deception, and that's the reason why I brought up deliverance was because I always think of of Genesis three, and that's something we talk a lot about on this show. You know the uh, the seed war. You know uh, Satan. You know was told in the garden that. The, there would be amenity between the woman's seed and his seed and you know her, her seed will, will, will crush its head so mm-hmm. it, it's automatic that he is at war you know with, with the seed of eve your know, humanity so what better way to combat the seed than to stop it so if you got females removing you know their reproductive organs and males you know taking you know uh chemical altering, you know, uh, medications and having, uh, same sex, uh, relationships and stuff like that, you, you stop the reproduction. Exactly.
1: And I think Justin and Steve, um, to the bigger picture of this, and I didn't know this until I was trying to get out of the life. I had no clue about spiritual warfare. I had no mm-hmm. idea that when I was sleeping with all of these men, that if they were demonized, that demons can be transferred through bodily fluids. Things that a lot of people may not know about and i slept with a satanist in hollywood i've done a lot of stupid things slept with hundreds of men i'm not proud of it again i was looking to fill a void but god almost had to put me on a crash course of understand understanding demonic possession and oppression generational curses spiritual warfare and i went through i actually talk about this in my book um i found a place out near malibu where they did deliverance and i would go there and try to get deliverance and i was praying the generational curse prayers and the spiritual warfare prayers i was so tormented in my mind from that lifestyle that i not only had attempted suicide but all i thought about after that was suicide i was depressed all of the time and i didn't understand the battle for the mind and what the demonic activity was really doing and all i can say especially to the lgbt individuals or anyone who is struggling and you're tormented in your mind when i truly repented of what i had done and told god i was sincerely sorry and i named everything i could think of that i had done that would have been deemed wickedness in his eyes and asked him to forgive me and asked him to come jesus to come into my life truly meaning what i said and got baptized and what have you three things happened. first of all i knew god had given me peace about my past I just felt like somebody had taken me and turned me inside out and just washed me. But secondly, that torment in my mind was gone just like that. I I don't know how to describe it other than that torment was gone. I had my peace of mind, something I had been looking for my whole life. But lastly, I knew in my spirit, I just knew God was saying to me, you and I are now good. And I knew then that's why that lifestyle is so wicked and it's wrong because it's not in his design. But when I turned my back on that, and again, repented and turned from it, as even the Apostle Paul discusses, that's when I really found my peace. And I have not looked back since. And like I said, I've been out for 15 years. I just want people to know you can't keep one foot in the world and one foot in the church or in God's word and think you can ride that balance. As long as you choose to think that you can kind of do what you want and you can sneak around... Nothing's happened to me. God will wink his eye. He's not going to really do anything. You're sadly mistaken. And at some point, you're going to reap what you sow. What goes around comes around. Karma, whatever you want to call it, but God's word is clear. You reap what you sow. Get your foot out of the world and really sell out for Christ. Pick up your cross and follow him. Study his word. Be obedient to that. You're going to find a whole different world open up and a peace that is indescribable And God says He has plans for us, plans not to prosper us and not to prosper us and not harm us. And you really have no idea on what journey God is going to take you. And if you'll let Him use you, take what you've been through and make something good come out of it and try to witness to others and say, hey, I've been there. And this is what God has done in my life. Because we really want to see people come to know Christ because time is short.
3: I agree 100%. I think the exactly what you just said, and I actually wrote this down because I wanted to make sure I didn't forget to say it. But I I believe this 100% is that you know we go through trials and tribulations through our life where where we um, th- bad things happen to us, and we might take it out on God, we might take it out on the people around us, the people we love, uh, all these different things. But when we find our way back to God that some of these trials, these tribulations, these struggles are put out there to strengthen us. Mm-hmm. They're put out there to get us ready for what's next. So with what you're doing and uh, is, is amazing. You're, I mean, honestly with the book, the ministry, everything reaching people in an, in an area that is, it's so taboo to talk about almost half the time. You know, you cannot say anything negative or anything without someone um, attacking you. You know what I mean? And, and, you, you put yourself in and as Justin said it before you you're putting yourself in a very vulnerable spot putting yourself out there like that and I applaud you for it because God has let you go through some awful things and you've been through a lot of things but what he's ultimately doing is readying you to reach so many more people and if if it means that my life I struggle with whatever it is in my life or Justin struggles whatever it is in his life and 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 we still end up going to heaven but we're bringing two three one more person with us then everything was worth it everything is worth it that's eternity like you said with your dad eternity is such a bigger picture than just the rest of our lives that blink of an eye that that is to god and i think that's such an important way to look at it and i think it's just an amazing uh, an amazing thing that that we have to keep reaching out and talking to the, the, the church and to, to other Christian individuals and just letting them, you know, encouraging that love for everybody. Don't just say, well, no, that not, for the, not for people who sin like this or not for people who sin like this. No, for everybody. God's love is for everybody. And mm-hmm. we need to show that and not build up those borders, the, the, the barricade, make these walls and separate ourselves from other people. That's just, that's not what God intended.
1: Yeah, and that's why it's so important to share interviews like this or whether it's me or anyone else. Regardless of what a person has gone through, get individuals like us into the churches to sound the alarm or conferences and get especially the youth in there. Because a lot of Christians have the mindset, well, if we talk about this, we're going to plant a seed. The kids are already being groomed with this in the public school system and by the media and Hollywood, the movies, the music industry. Wouldn't you rather have somebody come in and say, look, here's a different narrative and here's the reality of that life? To try to get them uh, to keep from making such a horrible mistake of going into that lifestyle. Um, you said something else that was, that was on point.
3: That's rare, so please remember it.
1: <laughs> um, oh, about the being liked it's important for Christians to understand you cannot talk about Jesus and have people love you. And I want to make sure that my testimony of where I am is all because of God. I give him all the glory and Jesus and the Holy spirit. The only reason why I'm able to do what I do is, is because when I turned back my back on that life, I lost about 90% of my LGBT friends. And these were people I loved and cared about. And I cultivated those friendships and I went through a deep grieving process at the quick loss that happened as a result. When I released the book, the fallout that came from that, doing this ministry work, the attacks I've gotten from the LGBT community, and what have you, the blessing in all of it is is that I no longer care. I'm so used to the loss and the sadness and sorrow that God has almost just strengthened me and hardened me to it, to where I don't care anymore if people like what I'm saying or not. It's like my dad said, we gotta focus on getting these people to come to know Christ, and for me the reason why I continue doing it is because I don't want my LGBT friends to die and go to hell. Whether they believe in hell or not is irrelevant to me. It doesn't matter what they think, feel, or believe. All that matters is what God says, and Christians have got to stop worrying about being liked. You're going to stand before God one day on Judgment Day. Do you want to have been known as a coward and a wimp who cared about being liked? more than thinking about a person's soul and where they will spend eternity and how grateful they would be that someone like you came along and told them the truth so they won't go to such a horrific place that's why we must this is a no-brainer we got to stop worrying about being liked we must absolutely absolutely do what god commands us to do and that is to share the gospel and do it in love and hopefully plant that seed And don't worry about trying to change that individual. We have no power. It's God's problem. He has the power to change them. But by us planting the seed, you never know what God is going to do in that person's life. So when others come along, they will be able to water that and help bring them to the next level and hopefully closer to actually humbling themselves and giving their lives to Christ. And time is short. There's no more of this playing church and playing Christianity we must think about our our loved ones and i i just want to em, encourage everyone to please be bold if they get offended they get offended i'm not worried about people unfriending me on facebook or people cursing me out or whatever i'm not going to argue with them i'm i'm not going to debate them you're not going to change my mind I've listened to the propaganda. You had 25 years of my life to convince me that this was the lifestyle and that God was okay with it and and that peace and joy and happiness can be found at the end of that gay rainbow. And it's not, and you can't. And I've seen the casualties in that life. We must be honest and start trying to help these individuals out of this bondage. And that goes for women who've had abortions, knowing that what's done is done but forgiveness is available for all knowing that they can come to the cross and still find that same forgiveness as well. That's how amazing and wonderful our God is and how gracious he is and how he's in the saving business and he's in the deliverance business. Woo. We must be bold.
3: Love Man,
2: it. that's awesome.
3: That was, that I was felt really, that. Yeah, it was good. Well, George, this conversation has been amazing. Um, absolutely loved every second with you. If you'd like to go ahead and uh, let everybody know where they can find your book, any information, your website, go ahead, and uh, right now is the time.
1: Um, my website is georgecarneal, car, lcom N-E-A-L.com. You'll find information on the book and various places where you can buy it. Um, you'll see some media interviews, my Rumble and YouTube channels, and what have you if you want to get more information that way. Uh, there's even a How to Know, How to Come to Christ how to come to Christ section, as well as a message that I just quickly typed out to the LGBT individuals. Just doing a simple plea to them: please read that. At the very bottom, you'll see, um, you'll see, um, a list of what is on page two of my website, exposing a lot of the stuff, including the Christian persecution, the laws that are being implemented, and what's coming down the pike. I want to say to Christians: you really have no idea what's coming. Because the agenda behind the agenda is to truly silence Christians and all opposition to this agenda. And the end goal is to uh, legalize pedophilia. And if you knew the laws that were already being enacted around the world, from Canada to Germany, the UK, Sweden, if you knew what was happening to people over there, where they're being arrested for simply, if you can't even stand outside of an abortion clinic and pray, Or if your child wants to transition and you don't support that, you can have that child removed from the home, you could be arrested. If you tweet something that offends someone, even regarding Islam, you could have the police show up at your door and be arrested. It is getting to the point now of where if you just offend someone or hurt someone's feelings or talk about the gospel, which is harmful to the community, you could find yourself being arrested. Currently in the U.S., they are trying to shut down even counselors from even suggesting that you can change your um, who you are attracted to. Uh, they're really trying to silence all opposition and anything that would suggest that you can get help. Even though the LGBT community refuses to believe that there are LGBT individuals who don't want to be saddled with those feelings and who so desperately want the counseling so they can get that healing because they so desperately want families and they want to have children. And so you've got the LGBT militant activists trying to even shut that down. I'm telling you, what's coming down the pike, if Christians don't wake up and stand up against this, if you are incensed by what has been happening these last few years in this country, but you vote Democrat, this is not a pro-Republican thing. This is not about politics. You must look at the policies that are being pushed by the Democrat Party. They are anti-God, they are pro-communism, and they are pro-everything that God deems wicked and that they hate. And that's why we must—so if you vote Democrat, don't complain. Because one day, grown men and women will be legally able to have sex with your children and grandchildren. And don't say one word about it if you continue to vote Democrat. It's coming down the pike. They are already grooming the American public to to accept pedophilia as a sexual orientation that will be under— For pedosexual or MAP for minor attracted persons, they will put it under the LGBT umbrella. And then once they do and legalize it, if you dare to complain, they will can and will arrest you for a hate crime. That's what's coming down the pike if we don't wake up and fight back against this agenda. Man, this it's just crazy. We're that that far gone and
2: that uh, disconnected, but it's the truth. George, once again, thanks for coming and talking to us. This was a very powerful message, and uh, it spoke to me. I'm sure it's going to speak to others, and it's just a very enlightening conversation. Uh, We thank you for uh, standing boldly and not, not caring to tell the truth.
1: I appreciate you guys having the courage to actually have this dialogue, because believe it or not, and I'm not blowing smoke when I say this, a lot of pastors and Christians are cowards, they don't want to touch this they don't want to upset anyone and i really just want to say i hope god will bless your podcast and bless you guys for actually having the courage to even have this conversation
3: thank you my friend and again appreciate your time yeah
1: thank you and listeners if you didn't get
2: anything from this love you neighbor love feels the law yeah and yeah, keep digging guys <laughs> Hey guys, thanks for listening to the Dig Bible Podcast. If you would, check us out on Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, YouTube. Comment, tell us where you're from, because that would be cool. Comment, subscribe, like, hit the thumbs
0: up, share with your friends, share the, share the love. Till next time, see you later.